The Book Guys Show is brought to you by hollowbooks.com, where they create custom-made hollow books so you can hide just about anything. Choose a book, they do the rest. Podcasting with our pants off, and that's why my video's off. My name is Paul Alvey, sometimes known as Paul the Book Guy, and uh, we're joined by quite the panel today. The one and only Sir Jimmy is here. How you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing fantastic. You know, I got the gaffer tape on my camera. <laughs> nice. <laughs> got got to keep the NSA away. Oh yeah, I keep them. <laughs> I keep them. You know, guessing. There you go. And uh, all the way from Cymec.com. The one and only Craig Damlo is also with us. How you doing, Craig? I'm doing good. It's always sunny in Seattle, so nothing to complain about. Ooh, you're loud. You're hot, as they say. Oh, oh, oh. Hey. Sorry. <laughs> and, can uh, you? Can we find soapbox rocket stuff on Cymac.com? Uh, yes, there is a link there. Hmm. Okay. We'll get some goodies with your rocket on it. Hey now. <laughs> and our guest, the the smiling face on all our screens, the one and only. Sean Pratt, how you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, muggy and hot here in Delaware. I live by the ocean, so I know it's not sunny in Seattle, but it's uh, we got a storm moving in. But it's been a great weekend so far for the Memorial Day kickoff of the season. Yeah, we had a good weekend here. In uh, I'm up in Canada. I'm the only Canuck in this group, uh, but it's pretty hot in Toronto right now. I, I don't know how many Fahrenheit's it is, but it's it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. Uh, Sean, we'll, we'll talk uh, all about your audio narration work and all, all the great stuff you're doing in a bit, but uh, we, we have to stay with tradition here and start with... What's on your... What's on your Kindle, your nightstand? What's on your... What's on your e-reader? What are you reading? What are you, we really got to record that with all the bits in because I, I hate having to stick them in the last minute. Uh, let's, let's just go in order here. Uh, Craig, what's, is there anything new on your reading list? Uh, not new. I just I finished uh, Rama Revealed since the last uh, show, so I have now read all four Rama books. Uh, if uh, my only advice to anyone out there is stop after the first one. Yeah, you got to turn your mic down, Craig. I don't. I don't know. I can't turn everyone down. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, let me know how that. How's that? That's getting better. Oh. It's getting better. <laughs> Maybe if I back up. Yeah, back up a bit. There we go. Beep. All right, how's that? Better? Yeah, still loud. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Skype. The, the joys of Skype. Now, why do you say stop after the first one? And why did you punish yourself all the way through? Or it just, you had to? Yeah, a little, a little OCD. Got no choice. No, you know, it, the, the first one was just Arthur C. Clarke. And the, the last three he did with... Uh, Gentry um, Lee. Mm. Yeah. And th- my thing about it is it, the first one was a, was all about uh, the spaceship, Rama, discovering it. And then it became the, the last three are just one. It, it, I mean, it follows one person more or less, uh, which, okay, that's fine as a vehicle for th- go through the book. But they just kind of the the... I don't know. The interest of the books kind of go down as you as you keep reading. It's it's not there's not that normal cycle of up and down uh, that you would expect in a good story. It's just kind of like it just keeps trailing off as worse and worse. Like the Batman v Superman movie. <laughs> it's got yes. no flow to it. 
<laughs> no, no beginning, middle, or end. Uh, Jimmy, what's new on on your reading? Oh, wait a minute. Before we go to Jimmy, Craig, great, great pick there. By the way, that free Audible pick that you uh, that you chose and we put on the on the subreddit there. Oh, oh right, about uh, Casimir Bridge. I, I am still reading that. I didn't uh, know it was. And, uh, it and was... for Jimmy and everybody else, I just want to say Alexa by Casimir Bridge. Yes. <laughs> 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 nice now you got everyone's amazon uh, alexa <laughs> buying stuff that's great great way to promote your book just go rock around town yelling alexa buy this book um yeah uh great one i didn't know it was read by my favorite baldwin jane himself and he's actually a character in the book spoiler <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll post a link to that again in the show notes uh jimmy what's on your uh, nightstand kindle your e-reader fridge well, what's on my iPhone? I'm gonna. I'm before I forget. I'm gonna put in a podcast recommendation, something I've been listening to and and caught up on all the back episodes, and now I'm current. And it is called Space Rocket History. Hmm. We had a guy on from NASA last week, and uh, we shut down the show. We got we got so excited that I forgot to include that. Nice, but. Space Rocket History is actually uh, done by a guy named Michael Annis, and uh, he's here in the foothills of North Carolina, actually. And he goes back and talks about, you know, the Gemini program, and right now he's just getting into the meat of the Apollo program, which I've been waiting for for like a year. He's been teasing it, you know, that's the right. most exciting thing. And um, it, it's interesting, it's short. Uh, there's interviews, not, not, he doesn't interview people, but he reads interviews from people, plays like old clips of Walter Cronkite uh, when everybody was just totally immersed in the space race. And uh, I can't recommend it enough. If not just for the Russian national anthem that he plays at the beginning of the show when they talk about the uh, Russian program. Very nice. Very nice. I'm going to keep mine quick because uh, I haven't even started the book yet. Uh, I'm going to be reading Trek, uh, Trekonomics. It's a, a study on how the economy of Star Trek might actually work in real life. <laughs> I, I know we've uh, we've all talked about the income and it seems like a silly idea, but uh, hey, who knows? Maybe I'll have a different opinion once I read a whole book on it. <laughs> uh, Sean, is there anything on your Kindle or nightstand? Yeah, right now, actually, I'm, I, I don't, uh, oftentimes people ask me what I read like this, like, what do you read for fun? And usually my answer is I don't, because I narrate such dense pieces of material right. every week for, you know, narration. But I'm getting ready to do a book. It's, a, uh, it's called A Lincoln and Speed Mystery. The premise is we have Abraham Lincoln and Joshua Speed, who's also a real historical character, as young men in their 20s when they owned, and this is true, they owned a, uh, like a dry goods store. In, in Springfield, Illinois, and then and the premise of the series, I, I think this is the kickoff of the series, is that they solve murder mysteries together. That's awesome. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of fun. And you know that it's just you have all these historical characters dropping in, uh, in the murder mystery bit itself, and of course it's that chance to do that Daniel Day Lewis version of Lincoln's voice, right. which is actually high and crackly, which is going to be a lot of fun. So I'm reading that right now. I'm guessing Lincoln at some point might even hunt some vampires. Who knows? <laughs> well, yeah, who knows? It, he might be a ve quite the vampire <laughs> hunter. We'll see. So so let's talk to Sean Pratt, our, our guest here for a bit. Uh, Sean, tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what you do in the, in the audiobook universe. 
Oh, boy. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've been a, um, an actor since, uh, well, professionally since I was 20, so about 30 years now. Um, I come from a classical theater background, worked in New York and regionally around the country in the 90s, and then uh, moved down to Washington, D.C. to be with my now wife of about 18 years. And uh, on the show we met on back in 94, there was a guy in the cast in Washington, D.C. We did a, a Shakespeare play together. Uh, we had a showmance, that's what they call it in the industry, when you meet somebody. Yes. Um, and so I met this actor, his name was David Hilder, and one day in the green room, I asked David, I said, so what do you do when you're not working? And he says, I narrate audiobooks. And I was like, what is that? I had no idea what that was. Right, and so right. he, we sat down over a cup of coffee, and he sort of filled me in. And it was interesting, but I, wasn't, I was not interested in doing it because I was working full-time now as a theater actor. But he said, if you ever move to Washington or in the area, give me a call, and I can introduce you to some people. And then in 96, I moved down to be with Shannon. And so I did give him that phone call, and he introduced me to a man named Grover Gardner, who's a very well-known, respected uh, narrator in our industry. An amazing, and, and so I met Grover, and uh, one thing sort of led to another, and I made a demo with him. And uh, next thing I knew, I was working for Blackstone Audio and Books on Tape and narrating Robert Heinlein, and uh, some other science fiction. And, but over the years, as I've narrated and, and gotten to other, other produ- you know, like Tantor, Random House, or mm-hmm. Harper, I tend now to do mainly nonfiction. That's sort of my niche in the industry. And I really enjoy that because I'm a very curious person. I like to read about facts and how this thing works and how that thing works. Yeah, I, I noticed that when I was browsing through. And by the way, as a tip for folks at home, if you, if you like a, a narrator and how they sound and you enjoyed the book, you can search, although it says in the search box, it says search for a good book. You can search there for a good narrator. Right. So you can just plug in Sean Pratt and it comes right up. And I noticed you had like, uh, you know, 119 business books and 82 self-development and quite a few books just on Audible alone. Wow. Well, the, I also narrate, when I first started, I also narrated under the name Lloyd James. It's, okay. we, call it, we call that a nom de vox in the industry when you narrate under different names. Sometimes you do that because if you're doing, like uh, some of my friends, they might be doing erotica on the side and they want to have a name that's not theirs to attach to the erotica titles. Or right, if they just right. want to have a second name out there, sometimes it gives them different options. I've literally had a, a moments where Sean Pratt would audition for an audiobook and the writer would go, yeah, I didn't really like him. But the producer really wanted me on the project. So the producer goes, oh yeah, wait a minute, I'll... Tomorrow, I'll get you somebody else to listen to. Nice. His name is Lloyd James. <laughs> I and lo- I kid I you not, that. I've gotten the book that way. <laughs> way to go, so, Lloyd. <laughs> yeah. Altogether, up until now, I'm, I'm, I've just... Uh, um, I'm around two, about 800 and, 875 books. Wow. Well, I, I can see why you, on, on the average, or in the average week, you wouldn't be you know, listening to audiobooks for pleasure no. and reading books because you've already... You know, done like eighty hours worth of of reading. Yeah, it's a lot. It's it's hard to explain. Well, not hard to explain. It's just I get in one sense I get paid to read for a living, but the material I read is ex- is extremely dense. Whether it's the body keeps the score, which is a book about you know how the the brain functions and how it wires itself right. to things like uh, Nudge, which is about how uh, you know we have we how you can. Uh, make people think or act by just the language you use to explain things to them. And then, of course, you get into fiction with things like Infinite Jest or Raintree County or 
Uh, I just did a gothic southern horror uh, serial killer book called The Scribe, which was also a lot of fun. But uh, day in, day out, I mainly do nonfiction, and I, I really do prefer that genre. Nice. Nom de Vox. I wrote that yep. down. Right, that show title. <laughs> you, you brought out the show title. And we're, there we're we all, go. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think in the second half of the show, we're all going to pick our, our Nom de Vox and use that. Yeah. Just so yeah. we can get more credits at the end, of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny, too. I've had people contact me, and they say, well, I've looked up Lloyd James on Audible, and I've looked up Sean Pratt on Audible, and there's only like about 550 books between the two. So where's the other 300? And I have to explain. I'm like, well, I, for like in the late 90s, early 2000s, I used to record for a company in Albuquerque. Uh, I used to do westerns and science fiction for them. They were short titles, but I did four books a month for them for years. And then they went bankrupt. So 200 books that I did just went poof. Yeah, there's a, a lot of those classic, uh, well, I'm not going to say classic. We're not that old, are we, Sean? No, they- <laughs> no but a lot of the, the, the stuff that w- was literally books on tape yep. didn't make it. Like, like you said, nope. a lot of these companies uh, went up and the yep. rights are up in the air. So it's kind of there. Yeah, there's 300 titles that I've done that either the company that produced them is no longer around, they've never been digitized, even if the country, company is still here, or there is a fair number of those that are done privately. So like if you were selling your coaching system about how to make a million dollars on Wall Street and I do your ebook and you give it away or sell it at your workshop, there's a lot of books I do like that that are just privately produced. So there's about 300 titles that you know, are just gone. They're uh, totally unavailable. Yeah, I have to ask because you sound pretty good on on the line here. Um, uh, quality wise, do you record at home or do you go to the to a studio somewhere? I'm one of I'm I've my my wife also narrates. We we actually uh, are very f- unique in, when you look back over the last twenty years. Of the eight hundred and seventy five books that I've narrated, I've probably only done about five to ten in a studio with a director. I've always narrated at home with my own studio. Um, I started out renting space at a at, at Grover's place just to use the equipment but soon after that I built my own studio got my own equipment and I never looked back and I prefer it I mean you know one of the things I've I've discovered and I tell people all the time you may have a real talent for narration you may have really good with you know voices and dialogue but can you stay at home and sit in a little box four to six hours a day all by yourself right. and maintain that workflow and that concentration. And for a lot of performers, they can't do it. I have friends from the theater. They, they would love to do audiobooks, but they can't bear the notion of sitting in their closet for that long every day. Right, because the box, not, it's not big enough. that There can't be anyone in there whipping you, right? No, and you don't want anybody. You know? and, <laughs> and, and for a lot of performers, you know, they want someone to sort of hold their hand through a performance. And what I teach my students, my narration students, is that you know, it's just you. You have to make those calls. You have to make those decisions about this voice or the tempo or you know you're looking at the structure of the writing and it it's a lot there's a lot thrown on you that has nothing to do with how well you can sound scottish or like an old grandmother or something you know right all right i want to hear an old scottish grandmother (laughs) (laughs) well if you're going to do that then you'll have to be talking like that see that what you do in all that weekend like that you're all out with your friends drinking and cruising Uh, he gets one of these hang on we gotta give him one (laughs) 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 if anything deserves one that deserves it (laughs) so i'm sorry what was the question i was gonna say how much can do you think you can actually change someone's perception of a 
uh, piece of writing by the way you choose to present it. Oh, you can fundamentally change it. Uh, to sort of, t you know, if I can talk inside baseball for a minute here, there are many times that I'll get a book that's not well written, frankly, because they ain't all Shakespeare. It's not all, you know, it's not all Faulkner. Right. <laughs> um, and I've been hired to sort of, as you would say, put lipstick on a pig. Yeah. Every so often, it's like this book is—it's an interesting topic, but it's not well written or well edited, and so my job is to turn it into something. Because you see, the, the the main job of an audiobook is always to be entertaining, right? So when you look at say f when you say what is the job of a piece of fiction, fiction is always to entertain. So the connection is very straightforward. Fiction's supposed to be entertaining. Audiobooks are entertaining. That's a so, so, nice, so do, you, do you slip in the, the Scottish grandmother? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always do that somewhere in all my books. I have the Scottish... No, I'm kidding. But with nonfiction, a piece of nonfiction, its main job is always to educate. So you have to learn to repurpose the book as an audiobook to entertain first and educate second. Because right. if, if, if I'm doing a book like uh, The Body Keeps the Score or Nudge or The Drunkard's Walk by Nick, you know, Leonard Mladenow... These books are really interesting, really interesting information, but I have to make it entertaining for the listener first so they won't turn me off, right? They're like, right. oh, this is boring, and they hit the off button or they send it back to Audible or give me a one-star review. So that's what I love about nonfiction is actually, for my money, nonfiction is just harder to do than fiction. And so, you know, it's, it's sort of like that old joke about if you can play Shakespeare, you can play anything. Right. If you you know if you learn how to do the classics, everything else is easy. If you learn how to do nonfiction and do it really well, then when you come to a piece like say Infinite Jest, you're ready for it because you've been dealing with things that are even harder than Infinite. Which you know Infinite Jest was the hardest book I've ever narrated, but even so, uh, you know I've, I'm I'm ready for it because I'm dealing with things that are really complex and dense in their structure. I'm told that the the sci-fi are, are hard to do because you end up with a lot of words that just don't exist in any uh, dictionary. And you, and you got to pronounce it the way the author wants. Right. Or it's going to well, come back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do. And so that's when, you know, that's when you call the author up and say, how do you, how do you want to say this? But of course, when I was doing, I did the Heinlein books early on in my career. And of course, he's dead. And so I had to, you know, call around and talk with some literary people. How do you think this should be pronounced? Or what's the angle here? You know, there was one book that was a big, I took a huge risk. It was called The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. And our hero in that, he's Russian. He has a Russian accent to the entire thing. Oh. And so I had to give him this kind of talk like this. He sort of talks this, you know, that kind of Hollywood Russian accent. Right, right. But that's the only way it was supposed to work. And I was a little scared. I'm like, if this doesn't work out, if the listeners don't like it, that's going to be a huge, you know, bomb. But fortunately, it, it, it did work out. Um, I, and also, like with Infinite Jest, David Foster Wallace was dead by the time I right. started the project. And so I had to, as best I could, because he, he makes up a lot of language in the book itself. You know? So it's, it's, you know, when you can go to the source, you do. But oftentimes, you, do, you can't. So you have to, you know, wear your director's hat and, and take charge, take the bull by the horns. Now, Sean, you also uh, you were talking and mentioning your uh, you also have students. You teach narration. Ah, yes. You want to tell us I, a bit where where can uh, someone who, an inspiring narrator <laughs> where can they well, go not, to meet you? Not with me, unfortunately. That I I only take uh, students who have already started in the industry, just ah, because yes. nonfiction. Most people when they get into narration, 
they're usually attracted to audiobooks because of fiction. Right. You know, they want to do the Scottish grandmother. They want to do thrillers. They want to do zombie books. And that's great. There's a lot of really talented people out there who teach that stuff. And so when I decided to start coaching, I said, I only want to focus on nonfiction because it is so difficult. And so yes. my, my student base are narrators who are, have already got a couple of books under their belt. They already have their studio set up. And then we, we get into the nitty-gritty of stuff because it's just, it, it, it's just a whole different level of deconstructing the material. Um, I, off, I, well, I get emails every week from people, literally from around the world, who uh, uh, want to get into audiobooks. And so I end up sort of saying, well, contact so-and-so. That's a good place to start. Or, you know, there's, and I'll tell you, tell your listeners that if they are interested – to go onto YouTube, there's a lot of videos that are free, for obviously free, about audiobook narration. You know, I'm all about free. If it's cheap and free, then go for it. You know, so if you got that, you can also download tutorials and webinars on different voiceover websites if they're focused on audiobooks. Watch those things to learn and then see if there are classes in the city, you know, that you live in, if you, especially if it's a metropolitan city. But, you know, the, oftentimes there are coaches who come to town to do intensives over the weekend, uh, take part in those. And then out of that, maybe you'll find a coach you want to work with. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it, people want to get them into narration for a variety of reasons, uh, but I always remind people that what they're really doing is they're getting into show business and they're getting into a new kind of show business. Even if they come from a film or a theater background or even commercial voiceover. Some of my students come from, like they do video games and radio stuff radio spots, and they learned that this is a whole different kind of voiceover. Um, uh, if I could, if I could uh, sort of draw a comparison, um, you have three kinds of basic voiceover. You have the 30 to 60 second radio spots and, and video games. Then the middle one is like uh, documentary voiceover, and right. e-learning, and the last are audiobooks. And the analogy I draw is musical. The first kind, those short and the video game stuff and the radio stuff. That's like being lead guitarist in a rock band. You have to be note yeah. perfect when you start. There's no well, well, time plus to Plus also, up. I mean, when you get a TV script uh, or even, yes. even a radio script, it, it often, yeah. uh, there's a flavor, uh, you know, uh, on the sidelines telling you the, uh, he says in, in a very cheerful voice or right. they'll actually put little lines like as if he just won the lottery. So yep. you kind of have an idea of how to play it, but uh, with audiobooks sometimes, I guess you're just handed literally a paperback and, Oh, yeah. Told and so, to, so to, to pick up on the thing, so the middle one, like, is the documentary stuff. That's very, it's sort of, that, that's like being part of it, like a jazz combo where you have, you're just trying to there to support the theme. Because if you've ever watched a, you know, a documentary, the voice in a documentary is there to support the picture. Mm -hmm. But audiobooks are different. Audiobooks are like being first chair in an orchestra right. as a violinist because you've got this tremendously long piece of music. And, and, and then on top of everything else, you're also the conductor because you have to make those decisions. Because even if you're in conference with the, the author, and frankly, oftentimes, sometimes the worst thing you can do is talk to the author because it's like opening a can of worms because they ha some authors have very specific ideas about how the voices should be done. Right. But you're on deadline for, and you have a certain budget and there's no, you know, everybody wants their piece to be Moby Dick or whatever, but there's no budget for it. So you have to, you know, have to reach a compromise with each other that this is the best I can do and that's something else that a lot of listeners don't realize of audiobooks is 
where expect where sort of narrators are somehow expected to be specialists, but we're really generalists. Meaning, you know, I can do a Scottish accent, but I have really a hard time doing an Australian accent. Right. And what's the difference between sounding Filipino and sounding Chinese? And you know, for some people, that you just can't do that. You have to give it the old college try. But right. They, a lot of listeners expect us to be flawless in every aspect of an audiobook, and that's just impossible. Right. You know? Anyway. So, so Sean, uh, I know you got to go. We're, we're going to go into our second half, as they say. Okay. So uh, we're going to get you to tell everybody where folks can uh, find your stuff. Oh, sure. Uh, well, of course, you can find me on Audible if you type in Sean Pratt there. Uh, you can find me online at SeanPrattPresents.com. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, if you type in Sean Pratt Presents, you'll find me there and also on Facebook. Um, and uh, for those of you out there who are, you know, starting to narrate and you're interested in maybe pursuing this further, give me a, you know, drop me an email at SeanPratt.comcast.net and we'll see what happens. Hi, everyone. I'm Drew Beecham, the author of Homebrew All-Stars and the co-host of the Experimental Brewing Podcast. And you're listening to the Brew Guys. I mean, the Book Guys. Where's my beer? Hi, this is Bernard Robichaud. I play Cyrus on the Trailer Park Boys, and you're listening to the Book Guys. Book Guys. You know, I listen to that uh, Drew Beecham podcast, the Experimental Homebrew, and those guys are serious. They don't mess around, eh? They do not. I, I, I did not realize all of the nuance involved in that. You know, I just thought you just put some stuff in a jar. And... These guys are very serious. And I've been on the homebrewing uh, subreddit and asked stupid questions. And some of them get like really mad. I'm like, what's the big deal? Like, I just did it like this. The beer tasted good. They're like, no, you can't do it like that. Are you insane? <laughs> you got to buy all this equipment. You need all this other equipment. I'm like, no. So, hey, I think I hear Craig again. What was going on with your uh, microphone there? I, you disappeared during the whole interview. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure what it was. It's a lovely Skype artifact that uh, somehow it switched microphones on me. And then on top of that, my microphone that I'm using now just disappeared. So I actually had wow. to unplug and replug in and kajigger some stuff. Yeah. I, I, one of the things I do at the top of the, or before the show starts, just to, on my checklist, is make sure I have Skype credit, just in case the author or whatever, whoever, uh, in case we have to call them via a landline, it costs money, right, on Skype. So hmm. I get on today and I see zero credit. So, of course, you know, I'm reaching for cards and trying to, you know, I'm going to load it up. So I get onto the, you know, of course, it takes you to Microsoft site. And just as I'm about to throw another 20 bucks in there, I notice another like sub menu and I go there and I find that it says you have $22 and 84 cents that has been deactivated. They deactivated your money? How the fuck do you deactivate <laughs> money? <laughs> so I had to click like two buttons to reactivate the $22 and 84 cents. And now it's back up there, but that's kind of sneaky. Like they just deactivated just to see if I would throw another. I mean, is Microsoft that hard up nowadays? I mean, I know That's Apples are selling well, get, but I'm gonna go to the bank welcome and to make the sure Bitcoin my future, my friend. Yeah, and then the, and then the show starts. I click on the call recorder, although that's not a Microsoft product. Uh, it's a Skype add-on. I, I press record, and of course, it says recorder is not working. Go away. <laughs> so we're 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 riding the line with that one uh, 
one recording. I always like having the backup recording. I got to get my little uh, portable recorder hooked back into the system here. Uh, we're going to do this, guys. I, I just start off because uh, Craig was the one who found this uh, for free, and it's still free on Audible, folks. Run, run. Uh, the Adventures of Tom Stranger, Interdimensional Insurance Agent. Um, I was going to play this because, you know, we like jingles, but they're not there. Anyways, science fiction. <laughs> I'm going to play a little clip from that because uh, uh, it was kind of neat. Uh, I, I didn't really pay attention at, at the beginning of the of the audiobook. I didn't hear the narrator's name, but he sounded familiar. And then Adam Baldwin is like the president of the United States in this version of reality. And it turns out Adam Baldwin, Jane himself from Firefly, is uh, is reading. And this is awesome here. Let's play a clip here. If it'll come up on Audible. Hmm. Mm. Uh, just, er, nothing's worth You know, it's free. They, they don't actually give you a volume. <laughs> free. Uh, they deactivated the, uh, think, uh, the uh, volume. Uh, I think Audible's playing a prank on us. Let's go to the other page and try that. That's funny about Firefly because my wife was a big fan of Castle. Yeah, well, the, the, uh, the Audible uh, preview's not You know, those shows are actually are not related to each other. But she didn't know that, that, that the guy from Castle was on <laughs> a show called Firefly. She'd never heard of it. Wow. And then I, I showed it to her and I said, don't, don't get involved with it because it doesn't last very long. <laughs> <laughs> Yet she got along with you. Hey now. Hey now. Wait a minute. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> Settle down. So what else we got guys? We ready to talk some podcasts maybe? Yeah. I, okay. uh, I had my thing pulled up here. I've been listening to a lot of you're, you're like our, our resident podcast nut. Like I listen to a podcast. ton of them, but you listen to a lot of them. I'm trying to pull I, I think up I, my, uh, I mentioned last week about the David Lee Roth podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. I did. I did. All right. Well, then I'm going to talk about the church of what's happening now. Hey, what's happening, man? Uh, it's one of my favorite comedians that I found through uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. A guy named Joey Diaz. He's this uh, uh, Cuban guy that grew up in New Jersey. And I don't know why I'm feeling like I've talked about this before, but it's too late. And the show I was just listening to, he has guests on, and uh, mostly other comedians. And this guy, for having been in prison and all the drugs he's done, he can recall where he was, uh, what that it was a Saturday, April 28th, uh, Led Zeppelin opening show. Uh, funny as hell, I went and seen him in uh, Charlotte about a month and a half, two months ago, when he came down to the Comedy Zone. Just, I mean, you leave and your belly's hurting. But they sit on the show and they're, they're eating these uh, marijuana edibles because they're out in uh, L.A. And the show I was listening to just yesterday they were taking mushrooms you know, while they're <laughs> okay. on the show. And his producer, this little uh, Jewish guy, he calls him the flying Jew. He uh, He's sitting there, and the guests are like, is Lee okay? And they said, yeah, man, that's what happens to him. He just sort of shrinks into himself. He said, look at his face. He looks like a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> he just retreated into his own mind. Like eight or nine hundred milligrams of uh, <coughs> THC. 
Wow. You know, and like an effective dose is like 10. Yeah, I can tell you like the two cookies that are 150, that'll knock you a normal human being, you know, out for the count. Just saying. Yeah. The Not church of know. what's happening now with Joey Coco Diaz. That's my recommendation. <laughs> NSFW, of course. Of what's happening now. I'm writing that down for the show notes. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you a pick here. Uh, our good friends at Penguin. Uh, actually, not our good friends at Penguin, because I think this one comes out of the UK. Uh, the Penguin Podcast. See, that's really... That, hmm. Penguin, Penguin Podcast. Podcast. Penguin Podcast. It is... Uh, <laughs> it's hosted by Richard E. Grant, famous uh, British actor. And he has guests on, like, uh, Neil Gaiman, Elvis Costello... You know, these are not schmoes. Uh, you know, the he's talking to some really uh, interesting people, like we do. Uh, and uh, interesting, and they're, they're short. They're well, actually they're about the length of uh, a book, guys, about forty minutes. But he really gets into in-depth uh, topics with them, uh, and not always talking about books. So, I mean, you know, e- even the book publishers podcast about books doesn't always talk about books. So, uh, you know, we can feel better now. Just saying. <laughs> The Penguin Podcast. Check it out. Also for free and anywhere podcasts are sold. Uh, I'm going to throw in relative, Relatively Geeky Network. Uh, I, I check in once in a while and catch up with uh, comic book land. Because uh, I like I like Professor Allen's stuff. It's like usually 20 minutes. You know, the quarter bin. Is he still doing the quarter bin? Yeah, that's the QBP on there. He's got uh, the SS, the UBA. He's got quite a few different flavors of podcast. Uh, under the relatively geeky network banner, so uh, you got you kind of have to be in the know to know what that QBP number O two seven means. A quarter bin podcast, but uh, interesting stuff. Him and his daughter uh, having fun doing it. Quarter bin podcast. That's all about um, podcasts that he paid less than twenty five, or not podcasts, but a comic book he paid less than twenty five cents. Yeah, for. yeah. And 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 speaking of uh, that, uh, Craig, you was it you or was it Jimmy that posted? Uh, at uh, reddit.com slash r slash book guys about the uh, comicsology's new exciting Netflix like no, service. Was, yeah, that was me. That was uh, I saw that uh, that they're they're doing that uh, essentially an all you can eat uh, comic book prescri- subscription, and it, it reminds me. I think Marvel's got the unlimited yeah. uh, uh, deal, but this this is kind of more interesting because it's Marvel, DC, uh, Dark Horse. Uh, the image stuff that's still around. And I was looking that's, at a, a five ninety nine for a month. Uh, that's, I would say I probably wouldn't subscribe to it every month, like my Netflix account, but I would probably, uh, you know, purchase a month here and there. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, usually they're, they were 99 cents a piece, right? Because of the limitations of like the Google play store and the Apple store, it's 99 cents or nothing. Right. Uh, but I could see six bucks being worth it. If, if, you know, if your kid's going to devour like, you know, 400 comic books that month for six bucks, why not? Just yeah, saying. yeah comic I mean, books. I just went and watched the X-Men movie today. Oh, can I, can oh, I play oh, a jingle? Review, movie review. <laughs> Here we go. Comic books. Why are none of my jingles in the place? Comic books, comic books, comic books. Yeah. And let's just go ahead and right now and say spoilers because you know he's going to ruin it. Uh, well, I'm going to do my best to ruin it, but, um, okay. He's going to try not to ruin it folks, but, uh, you want to skip ahead about five minutes if, uh, if you don't want to, nah, nah, but if, if anybody saw X-Men days of future past, you know, very well that the best part of the movie was the scene 
with a character I never heard of until that movie came out, Quicksilver. Hmm. Yeah, he's like the... He's the guy that runs, like, runs fast. bullet time. <laughs> yeah, it's Magneto's son. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yep. Spoilers. Oh, is that a spoiler for the new movie? I haven't <laughs> well, seen the new movie. Yet. Okay, well, in the movie, there, there are people talking about that, that maybe he is, and they even ask him, are you his son? Uh, and he goes, you know, I don't know, maybe. But uh, he said, I'm just, you know, we're not, we're not really going to talk about it. He said he's going to hang out there at the school with uh, the ball professor guy in the wheelchair. But there is a scene with Quicksilver in this one that is a little bit longer um, about the, the other one's like two minutes. This one's three minutes. And I just found that it's on YouTube. And I'm not saying it's it's the only good part of the movie. It was it's always my favorite part. It, the writing that they do, the little things he's doing in in bullet time are hilarious and like one thing there's a there's like a, an explosion and there he's going through a room and he grabs a dart out of the air and he sits it up and lets go of it because the dart board is flying towards this spot and he sits it up right where it's gonna be a bullseye <laughs> nice and and then he like stop and and eat a, a bite of a twinkie while he's saving you know 30 people from dying he's just totally cool I love that bullet time stuff, the, the hero Nakamura type, uh, when everything's frozen. You know, the, well, the bad guy in the movie, he looks like the bad guy at the end of all the other Marvel movies that's uh, sitting on, on the chair. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Professor X? <laughs> no, no, hey, no. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he just he's not a very interesting character to look at, but... Uh, it's kind of interesting what he does, and I, I was really taken aback. I, I would, uh, I'd recommend this. No, what do you, what do you think so about I, the whole new crew? I don't like it. I, I miss no. Famke Jansen. I miss, uh, miss them all, eh? Rob Stamos's wife. I miss Halle Berry. You, you know, I, th I think they recast everyone. Uh, well, first because, you know, everyone else is going to want a bajillion dollars. You know, you know, Pat Stewart's not going to do it for any less than you know, uh, you know a quintillion dollars at, that, at this point. And uh, also because I think at some point we're going to see this uh, X-Men crew merge with the Marvel universe, same way they've done with Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and let's Which just will say, be very interesting when the two Quicksilvers come running at each other and slam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, this was actually, it's set in, you can pin the date down because you see some kids <laughs> coming out of the movie theater and they're just talking about uh, watching Return of the Jedi and, and how crappy it is, you know. The third, the third movie is always the worst movie, you know. Right. And uh, and you see little things on the wall, like I saw um, a poster for the movie Bachelor Party. Ooh, so they really got to do a good job setting the time frame. Yeah, as long as they're doing what they're doing. Hey, you know what? Uh, uh, you guys have seen uh, Civil War, perhaps? No. No, not yet. No. Yeah, Wife and kids saw it. I, I'm not going to spoil the movie. Let's just say it's about time that we saw Spider-Man on screen who has an actual New York accent. <laughs> you know, that and a Spider-Man who's making funny, you know, comments as he's fighting. That's the whole thing with Spider-Man. If you were to describe Spider-Man, I'd say, well, he's a young kid, one. Uh, he's got a New York accent. it has got to be Brooklyn or Queens. Um and he's got it as he's fighting. He's saying silly things. He's like, you know, supposed to be like fifteen or sixteen, right? 
and he, he's like making quips and there we go finally marvel did spider-man right <laughs> you know not marvel but finally sony did uh spider-man right I said, yeah, the like, last time spider-man was done right was 1981 for spider-man and his amazing friends yeah. cartoon well you know the the first spider-man movie was well i mean not the first but the first modern day uh spider-man with uh what's his name toby mcguire toby mcguire uh that was great but he still needed that heavy new york accent he still had to make a lot more you know jokes as he was uh flying around just saying spider-man well we've got we've got deadpool for making even better jokes while he's killing people <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah which actually i watched deadpool the second time on a flight uh a couple weeks ago and it was the joke that i didn't catch the first time that was the best one was where he, he says, I don't remember exactly what he says, but he says something like, is this the Stuart or McAvoy uh, professor? I get confused on the timelines. Yeah, he, he's breaking the third wall uh, usually. That's that's kind of the, the stuff he does, right? Right, yeah. yeah. He, he, I, he, he so literally turns and talks to you up. in the comics. You know. <laughs> Just saying. Deadpool. I, I left the theater after watching Deadpool and was totally blown away by I was like, oh my gosh, this that was so incredible. I wasn't expecting that. I laughed so hard. And then I watched it um, on Voodoo here like three weeks ago, and I was kind of let down. Oh, did they censor it? No, not at all. I don't. <laughs> it's just like all the stuff that that was in that movie that you never see in movies. The things he was doing, uh, all the surprise was gone. So yeah. any, I, I wish I could go back and not having watched it, watch it again. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and it's Deadpool. They could have gone worse. Sure. They, 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 they held themselves back. Let's say because it, 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 there's, there's no continuity really. Because sometimes he can blow up and come right back together, and other times he's got to go find his arm because otherwise he's got no arm. I like, <laughs> I like where he's his 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 hand got busted off and it's <laughs> and it's growing back and it's real tiny. He goes, "This is gonna make it look huge." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, He's fun. He's fun. And uh, Marvel versus DC, guys. We're gonna have to do that episode. Uh, we have to do that episode soon. I think we got to find out who is the the real winner from from the 1950s to modern day, uh, only counting live action uh, movies and TV shows. Oh, there's no contest. Ah, I don't know. Or is there? Or is there? <laughs> I've been looking through the list here. I don't know if you saw the show note, but uh, it's gonna be close. Well, especially considering in the 50s and 60s, DC wins by default. Sure. <laughs> you know, like, well, let's see. What, what did, no, Marvel really didn't have anything in the 60s or 50s. They're sitting back, sitting on that Spider-Man property. Uh, oh, by the way, Stan Lee makes an appearance in the movie like he always does. What did he do in the movie again? He was... Uh, Nothing. He didn't do anything. He was just standing in a doorway, hugging an old lady. And we stayed okay. for the all the way through the credits, which were horribly long, to watch the little scene at the end. Right. And everybody had left. It was just one couple and us three. But uh, I was reading the credits, and Stan Lee, the old lady was hugging, was his wife. Oh, interesting. I, I'd never noticed her having been in a movie before. but oh, okay. No, but there I think go. his role in Deadpool was the best one he's had so far. Yeah, yeah. Usually he's like a security guard. It's just... Right. You know, making a stupid face or something, but, you know, God bless him. God bless him. He's still around. He's got to be like 85 at this point. 
Bless his heart, as we say in North Carolina. Yeah, he's being, he's being, <laughs> uh, his life support is his fans who wish him well. He, I think he's going to go well into his hundreds. <laughs> no doubt. His, his autograph has to be nearly worthless by now. Yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. He signs everything. He's 93. Oh, 93. There you go. Seven more years. And married to a much younger woman. Oh, what is she, like 80? <laughs> 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 oh guys Sunday 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 <laughs> Sunday Sunday and everyone's got to come up with a nom de vox for uh, next time nom this is vox. Max Power signing off for the book guys <laughs> I got it from a hair, hair dryer <laughs> don't stay tuned book readers and book listeners Book Guide Show will return next week. Same book time, same book channel. You come back next week. Yes, we we, we do Marvel and DC. Then I'd like to legally change my name. What name would you prefer? Any of these will be fine. Hmm. Hercules Rockefeller. Rembrandt Q. Einstein. Handsome be wonderful. I'm going to give you the only name you spelled correctly. From this day forward, your name shall be... Max Power? Dynamic, isn't it? Book Guys!